Ah, let's enjoy this lovely Memorial Day weekend here at the park. It's so beautiful. Oh, and look, there's a hot air balloon. It kind of looks like a peach. It not not a peach exactly. It it looks like a butt, and it's carrying a jukebox. Is that Perry Como I hear? Hey guys, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know. This is Jay, and we're talking about episode 6 of the Doom Patrol, entitled Doom Patrol Patrol. Again, as always, this will be heavy with spoilers, so uh, if you haven't watched the episode yet, I highly recommend that you do it, and come on back and take a listen. So, uh, yeah, there is some more weirdness in this episode, uh, which seems to be a trope of the show, which I enjoy immensely, as my amazing acting just kind of demonstrated up front. Um, So, if you remember, last week, Paw Patrol... The episode ended, now I thought the episode ended with Mr. Nobody reaching out to Crazy Jane sometime in the past, telling her to find the Doom Patrol, meaning finding the current Doom Patrol. Well, apparently I was wrong. Um, Mr. Nobody basically contacted Jane in the here and now, in the present day, and asked her to find the Doom Patrol. Uh, we don't know who the Doom Patrol is, you know, or I, I should say they don't know who the Doom Patrol is. Uh, Robot Man, Vic, uh, Crazy Jane, uh, they don't know who the Doom Patrol is. But before we get into all that, let's just kind of jump back a bit. This this episode actually opens up with uh, Rita. This is a very Rita-heavy episode, which, you know, if you've heard me talk about the show, I was kind of saying, when are we going to get more Rita Farr, Elasta Woman, Elasta Girl, whatever we're calling her for copyright reasons? Um, and we get a lot of it here. So what we see is it's the mid-50s. Uh, Rita's obviously has already been affected by that uh, gas or, or toxin or whatever it is because we see her uh, in a um, an agent's... I, I believe it's an agent, a casting agent, a, a movie studio, <clears throat> somewhere like that. Uh, I think the guy's name is Sidney Bloom, which is just like that. that that's just such like a Hollywood agent director kind of name, especially for the 50s, Sidney Bloom, you know, Mr. Bloom, your four o'clock is here. Um, so basically Rita's there. She is trying to recapture the magic. You know, she is, we see that she has been struggling to hold herself together because, uh, as she's preparing for this meeting, she's touching up her makeup, her face begins to droop and, you know, she just focuses and, and everything is okay. So she goes into this meeting with Sidney Bloom. Sidney Bloom, super agent. Um, so she goes in there with Sidney Bloom, and uh, look, it's the fifties. He sits on the couch, on the quote unquote casting couch, basically telling her, "Look, honey, like, look, sweetheart, your star's falling, you see, and uh, you know we got a little something about that." And he pats his lap. I mean, we know what's going on here. Rita is totally repulsed and disgusted by this idea, but she's so desperately wants to be a star again she goes along with it uh she loses focus obviously next thing we know uh we hear sounds of uh you know we get like sort of the secretary's point of view sort of this old stodgy secretary she's out there banging away on the old keyboard and we hear sounds of what we assume is passion uh it's the fact that sydney bloom is being smothered by rita rita has totally lost control of her power she is basically a giant blob crushing sydney to death um She's able to regain her focus, uh, regain her shape. Uh, the secretary kind of comes in after hearing uh, a clamor. And, you know, she sees 
what happened to Mr. Bloom? He's just laying there on the couch. Uh, she kind of assumes that he had a heart attack. He's basically like, well, look at that. He had a heart attack. And he, she just turns to Rita and basically kind of hands Rita her coat and just says, you were never here. And that was it. And we come to the present day where we see, uh, you know, Vic, the repair mode uh, has been engaged, but we're waiting for his father, Silas, to come to basically check his systems and, and sort of reboot it. Um, <clears throat> while he's doing this, uh, we see Robot Man is trying to reconnect with his daughter. He's looking up her, and this is straight from the show, he's trying to look up her face hole profile. This is just such a great show. Um, but, you know, apparently uh, he needs to send a friend request and she needs to accept it, you know. His daughter's pretty smart. She set her privacy uh, correctly. So uh, he comes in and he asks Vic, you know, hey, uh, waggle your little finger in the computer there and sort of hack into it. And he's like, you know, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, the animosity between them continues. And um, it's very strange because he's he's a bit, uh, Vic is a big hot, bit hostile towards uh, Cliff, Robot Man. Then he basically says to him, you know, he says, look, you know, my dad's coming to sort of reboot me and everything. Um, he's going to, uh, he's going to kind of shut me down for a bit. I need you to stay in the room and just sort of monitor him. You know, Vic doesn't trust him. Vic doesn't trust his father. Cliff is like, well, why am I going to do that for you? You know, you, you don't even want to help me out. Uh, but then he sort of relents. He, he agrees to do it. <clears throat> we see that, um, as a result of the explosion from last episode, uh, a part of Vic is now wedged inside Cliff. It's like one of his fingers is stuck inside the armor. So um, as they're rebooting uh, Cyborg, Silas decides to take a look at it. And he basically says, he's like, you know, oh, uh, Niles's so-called indestructible man is not as indestructible as we thought. Come to learn that uh, when Niles was designing Robot Man's body, he consulted Silas, which kind of makes sense. I mean, Silas pretty much built all the cybernetic parts for his son there. You know, Silas obviously knows what he's doing. Uh, You know, but he he pretty much tells Vic, you know, because Vic asks him, he's, you know, he's like, well, what would you have done? Would I have looked like, you know, Junior over there? And he's like, you would have been better. You would have been far more superior to what Cyborg is. You know, and he says that, uh, you know, Silas says that uh, that Niles pretty much, uh, you know, he's egotistical. Uh, he, he has his own ideas. He doesn't listen. Uh, you know, they, they, they kind of, you know, he kind of rants for a little bit and he's he's upset. He's upset that Vic is is basically risking his life, sticking his neck out for, you know, his former friend, uh, Niles Calder. And, y- you know, there's a little bit of tension in the air and then... Uh, you know, Robot Man kind of breaks the tension by basically saying, you know, hey, you know, what, what your son did was absolutely amazing. You know, he, he risked his life to, to basically save us all. You know, your kid's a hero. And Silas gets very upset at this. You know, he's, he's like, well, what do you know? What do you know about being a father, um, you know, protecting your child? And, of course, this enrages Cliff. We know what's going on with Cliff. He's trying to reconnect with his daughter. He knows that his relationship wasn't that great with her when she was young. There were those tender moments, but for the most part, he really wasn't there. And that's basically what he tells him. He basically tells him, I, I know what the heck it is to be a, uh, a father, and I know about regrets, and, you know, trust me, you don't want those. Um, last week, 
Uh, I said that, you know, it seems like every episode we get a new Crazy Jane personality and I should do, you know, the Crazy Jane personality of the week. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. But I think uh, Cliff, Cliff Steele, Robot Man, is the most creative person when it comes to using profanity or, uh, as I heard in another film somewhere, I forget which one, uh, colorful metaphors. Uh, he, he uses profanity like Da Vinci used paintbrushes, if you catch my drift there. Now, of course, you know, look, this is a family, family-friendly podcast. I cannot directly quote uh, what Vic says here. I'm sorry, what Cliff says here. But Cliff drops this gem. He basically calls Silas an F-knuckle. And I think you can fill in the blanks there. I mean, that's just, that's just classic. That is absolutely classic. Uh, before all this happens, though, you know, uh, before Silas shows up, you know, and we see Vic trying to kind of find the pieces that were blown apart and, you know, really just get ready for his dad to come. Uh, Jane pretty much walks in, and this is just a great scene. Uh, Vic is there with his shirt off, so we really get a view of, of how much man and how much machine uh, Cyborg Victor Stone really is. You know, and as you know, if, if you've seen the look of it now, he, he basically has... Um, a red light on his chest, you know, sort of like a power source. Uh, if you saw Dawn of Justice, you know, that was kind of the build that he had. Uh, it almost sort of looks like, you know, the power source that Iron Man would have. It's basically a red glowing light right there in the center of his chest. And it's just great because Jane just walks right up, pushes it. Obviously, it does nothing. It's a light. It's a power source, whatever it is. She just pushes. She goes, hey, Siri, who the f- are the Doom Patrol? Uh, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, Cliff, obviously, he's never heard of the Doom Patrol. Vic, he's never heard of the Doom Patrol either. Uh, but Rita comes in and she says, why are you asking about the Doom Patrol? Uh, we find out way back when Rita Farr knew the original Doom Patrol. More specifically, she knew their charismatic leader, the fifth wealthiest man in America in 1956. She says that, uh, Mento. Now, if you know the Doom Patrol at all, uh, if you watched the Cartoon Network Teen Titans series when uh, later on when the Doom Patrol made a couple of appearances, uh, you would have seen Mento. Mento is basically, like the name implies, he has mental abilities. Uh, he is a psychic, he is a telekinetic, he is an empath, uh, he does it all. But uh, in order to sort of focus or harness his powers, he wears this very goofy looking helmet on his head. It was built in 1956. It's, you know, you, you, you kind of get that there. Um, and, you know, Rita basically says that she had a love affair with him. And, you know, why why would Jane want to find out, you know, why, why does she want to know who the Doom Patrol is? And she says, Mr. Nobody told me. she wa- He wants me to find them. To which, you know, Larry just delivers a great line. He's like, you know, why are we going to do what the crazy person says to do? You know, the guy that's that's has Niles, that's trying to kill us, why are we going to do what he's telling us to do? Jane's had enough of it. She instantly turns into Flit. She grabs Rita. She grabs Larry. And she sets off to find the Doom Patrol. She basically appears in front of the current Doom Mansion. Which, you know, when we get there, what's really nice about this, you know, I didn't pick up on it right away. But as as the scenes here with the with the original Doom Patrol progressed, you notice like a sort of a different filter on, on the camera. It's almost sort of a... And, and listen, I'm not a very poetic type of a person here or an artistic type of a person but it almost kind of gives it a bit of a like an acid washed or sort of like a rustic like it, it kind of 
you know, the, the look of the mansion, the look of the people there, the look of the surrounding area screams mid-50s Americana, and it's sort of like that's the camera filter we're using here. So what we find is we find the original uh, Doom Patrol, which is uh, Mento, uh, Arani, and Rhea. Arani is also known as Celsius. Rhea, I'm not quite sure what her code name is. We don't see very much of her in this episode. It really focuses more on Arani and um, on and Mento, and they have a doctor along with them, sort of like a chaperone or a. Uh, well, basically, what we find out is that the 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 Doom Patrol have retired. Uh, after soundly defeating Mr. Nobody, and that little acting I did up front basically tells about the confrontation they had where, uh, you know, apparently Niles Calder put together, you know, at the behest of the U.S. government, put together this super team, the Doom Patrol of superpowered people. He he led them, and um, some of his activities started to draw notice of Mr. Nobody. Now, here's the thing that's really interesting. Earlier in the episode, or at another point in the episode, when Silas shows up and he's arguing with Vic about, you know, why is Vic getting involved in this and that, you know, Vic mentions the fact that Mr. Nobody is actually pretty powerful. He's like, I'm really surprised that he's not on the JLA watch list. And, you know, Silas just dismisses it. He's like, well, that means he really is a nobody. If the, if the JLA doesn't know about him, he's a nobody. Clearly, Mr. Nobody is a very powerful individual, and, you know, he's doing something to keep himself, you know, if the JLA doesn't know about him, if Batman doesn't know about him, this guy knows how to hide himself. Something that's also was really great in here, I mean, you know, Doom Patrol, the show, is is pretty much laden with weird humor. Uh, this show, this episode, I should say, was kind of light on it. There was a lot more drama in this one than we've seen in some of the past episodes. And reading some other reviews, some people kind of took, you know, umbrance with that. They were sort of like, where's the weirdness? Where's the where's the wacky Doom Patrol? Hey, this is a story. We're, we're talking about characters here. We're, we're getting into some character development, and that's a big part of what this episode was. But we do get some weirdness, like uh, when Mr. Nobody, when we learn about Mr. Nobody's original, or, or attack on the original Doom Patrol, like I said up front, it was Memorial Day weekend, 1950-whatever, 758, um, and he basically launched a hot air balloon shaped like a butt with a jukebox playing a Perry Como song. I don't know the name of the song, um, but it's like when it started to play, I was like, oh yeah, I kind of heard that before. Basically, it just played the song over and over again. The ensuing crowd went totally insane. When the police arrived, a a ray, a ray gun emerged from the jukebox and it zapped all the police officers, turning them into pinatas, at which the, the crowd went crazy, ripped them apart, and ate all the candy inside. Uh, we are told that the Doom Patrol soundly defeated Mr. Nobody and he will never be a threat again. Uh, so, like I said, currently the Doom Patrol, they're sort of teaching the next wave of heroes in their mansion. Like I said early on, the Doom Patrol was sort of DC's answer to the X-Men. And, and we kind of get, you know, this this scene here kind of poking fun at that. Sort of like the senior Doom Patrol members or the senior X-Men members teaching the next generation or the new mutants or the new metahumans, as DC would call them. Um... You know, and as they're kind of taking their tour around, uh, Jane meets with, uh, I believe his name is John, 
I am actually going to look it up because I don't want to say the name incorrectly because uh, I was actually going to say John Snow and I know it was not John Snow. Josh Clay. Josh Clay, he's kind of like in charge. He's sort of like the caretaker. Like he, he's basically sort of like, I'm the headmaster of the school around here. Uh, he talks with Jane because he basically says that Niles always wanted Jane to come here to sort of meet the Doom Patrol. Like, in fact, he even says, you know, here's your room. He shows her the room that is supposedly waiting for her. Um, while that's happening, Rita meets with Mento. She reconnects with them, uh, with him, I should say. Uh, they did kind of discuss their past, and we get flashbacks where we see that Niles brought Rita there to to the Doom Patrol to meet Mento so that Mento, Mento could use his abilities to help her gain control over her powers, over her body. Um, and again, we, we get this thing with something dark in her past with, with, with a baby. Um, because what happens is, is as the, as the I'm going to say the current members of the Doom Patrol, uh, Rita, Larry, and Jane, <clears throat> as they start asking a lot more questions, we start to notice sort of the facade start to kind of slip. Um, it almost looks like everything around them is a hologram. Uh, you know, at first, the members of the Doom Patrol and Josh kind of say that, you know, oh, it's the students, they like to play tricks, this and that. Um, you know, Larry is shown around by Arani, who, uh, like I said, is Celsius. Uh, they all start talking about that day they defeated Mr. Nobody, and Arani basically says, she's like, well, my husband defeated them. Well, who's your husband? Well, it's Niles Calder, of course. We've been married for so many years. And Larry's like, I've been with the chief for, like, almost 60 years. He's never mentioned a wife. And Arani's like, what about his daughter? He's like, daughter? Like, what, what the heck is going on here? Um... What we come to find is is Mento is showing Rita basically the trophy room, and uh, there's kind of a shout-out to former members of the Brotherhood of Evil. Uh, he's kind of showing different sort of devices. It's sort of like, you know... He's kind of saying it's a storage area, but Rita's like, it's a trophy room. You're trying to impress me with all your amazing victories, you know, but what really happened with Mr. Nobody and, you know, Mento starts to get upset. And what we come to find is is that the members of the Doom Patrol did not defeat Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody turned their own fears against them and drove them insane. Uh, they were soundly defeated. And they now reside in the former Doom Mansion, which is a total shambles. Um, but they use Mento's ability and Josh Clay, who is a physician, and he says he's also a metahuman, but he will not reveal his powers. He does not want to use them, so we don't know what his his abilities are. Um you know, through his sort of like science and medication and Mento's abilities and rewiring the helmet, Mento is basically sort of projecting this idyllic version of the Doom Patrol, you know, because when we see them, you know, here's the thing, Rita Farr, she looks the same as she did back when she was a star in the late 40s, early 50s. Uh, the fact that she can kind of control the density and, and, and flow of her skin, it kind of makes sense. But when we see the members of the Doom Patrol pretty much looking exactly the same as they did in 1955-1956, my first thought was like, well, I guess it's kind of like the X-Gene in, uh, you know, in Marvel Comics with mutants. Over in DC, of course, they refer to them as metahumans and the metagene. So maybe it's the metagene. Something about the metagene that keeps them young. Now, what it is, is Mento is projecting this idyllic vision of, of who the Doom Patrol are. 
And we find out that really they're just kind of living out their lives there. I mean, they're totally shattered. I mean, when the illusion falls, Josh kind of takes Jane around and shows her. Uh, we see Mento just sitting in that hall of trophies, just, just sitting there in a wheelchair with the helmet on. Um, we see Arani basically torturing herself. Um, she controls both fire and ice, and she's pretty much entombed herself, or she's sleeping in like this giant ice cube that's set on fire just calling out for for Niles, just wondering where Niles is. And Rhea, who was a telekinetic, is just laying in bed with just various objects of the room just sort of circling around her. And, you know, what happens is is Mento is starting to lose control, so uh, we get Larry's sort of negative personality, uh, you know, that negative being that lives inside of him, just suddenly emerges and takes the helmet off and all is revealed. And Rita decides that she's going to sort of help Josh kind of reset everything. She talks to Mento, uh, the current Mento, and, and basically says, you know, for all these years, I've just tried so very hard to be Rita Farr, but, you know, that's the past. Rita Farr was not a good person, and I, I cannot be her anymore because if we face Mr. Nobody, I don't want him using my fears against me. Because when she is talking to Mento earlier, he sort of brings up, you know, this thing that happened in, in the past. Uh, there's a woman named Mary Beth. Um, we do hear the baby crying in the background. Uh, this woman, Mary Beth, commits suicide. It's We're still trying to piece together what happened to Rita in the past. And this was a pretty good insight into Rita because Rita really realizes now that trying to be Rita Farr, star of stage and screen of yesteryear, it's a pipe dream. It's It's... She needs to move on from this, and she kind of makes that decision in this episode that going forward she is going to be a different person, and, uh, you know, we'll see where that goes with that. Uh, Jane is very confused. She doesn't understand, you know, why would Niles want her to find this place? Why would he want her to come here, and why was there a room waiting for her and when sort of the illusion vanishes and Jane sees it's actually sort of like a padded room you know with multiple locks on it I guess if sort of the 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 idea here being that if Jane just suddenly if if she's just so out of control they would have no choice but to lock her up and and lock her away for her own good and for the good of everybody else out there um yeah, I mean, this was just an amazing episode. And we do get a bit of humor in this episode. I mean, this is a very, very serious episode. But we do get a bit of humor because as Cliff is trying to learn how to hack into his daughter's, again, face hole profile, uh, he's watching a video sort of like, you know, world's worst criminals. And, and we get our pal Steve from a few episodes back, Animal Vegetable Mineral Man, trying to rob a convenience store. But sadly, the raptor on the other side of his body, his second head, the raptor head attacks him. It's it's just very funny. It was it was a nice lighthearted like you know sort of like hey here's your Doom Patrol weirdness. It was excuse me it was great to see uh, you know that thrown in. And at the end you know we sort of get the resolution of um, you know Rita decides to move on with her life. Uh, Larry kind of makes peace or he's working more towards making peace with the being that lives inside of him uh, because he has a vision of a of a faceless sort of government agent basically telling him, are you and your partner ready ready to continue your good work? Um, and at the end, you know, when they're back in their home, um, 
Larry opens a drawer and he sees that we see various patches in there and he pulls one out with an insignia on it and he kind of talks to the being inside of him saying, you know, I know I'm scared too. So apparently maybe in Larry's past, the government tried to use him and the being inside him for something. I mean, that's, that's kind of the implication there. Um, at the end, you know, Vic is rebooted. Everything is set. Silas basically tells him, I've turned, I've activated your privacy mode and it's for real this time. I'm, I'm not going to listen in basically telling him kind of taking Cliff's advice of, you know, sort of treating Vic like a man and, and, you know, being a father to him and, you know, just wanting to have no regrets in his relationship. He basically tells Vic, like, do what you have to do here. You need me, you can call me, but I'm not going to be spying on you anymore. I'm not going to be criticizing you, anything like that. It's, it's time, you know, you want to be your own man. I'm going to let you do that. It's time. It's time. And that's really where we kind of leave it off there is, uh, well, actually, since uh, Cliff did kind of help Vic out, Vic comes in. He basically says, look, I created a profile. I, I sent a friend request to your daughter. She accepted it. He goes, congratulations. You are now catfishing your daughter, which just sounded so weird. Um, so Cliff starts to look, and all of a sudden he he realizes, he, he sees uh, in her profile, it says, pics of me and dad. And apparently it's his old crew chief, Bump. Bump is her dad. It's, you know, we, um, you know... We'll see. We'll find out what happens. And uh, that's pretty much where it ends up right there. I mean, I overall, I thought this was an excellent episode. Very, very solid. Uh, very high on the drama. We learn more and more about these characters. It's just, it's, it's just, it's great. It's, I just can't say enough. I can't say enough about this show. I, I really love it and, and I enjoy it. Guys, thanks for listening. Do me a favor. Head on over to www.brothersandarmchairs.com. That's the website that's going to link you up to every single podcast in the Brothers and Armchairs Network. This is Jay, and I'll talk to you guys later.